Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. What a joy and an honor for me to be invited by you, my dear friend, Pastor Glenn Barrett. As the national leader of the Assemblies of God in Great Britain, you are doing an amazing work. Who would have known that God would choose you, raise you up, position you for such a time as this? Things are different, aren't they? From the time that uh, you were brought to this platform, to this leadership stage, to this awesome opportunity and privilege of leading the Assemblies of God in Great Britain. From then till now, our world has shifted. And in these uncertain times, you have invited me to come and share a word from the scriptures. And I am delighted to do that. This is your friend Sam Chand, simply wanting to know I love you, thank God for you, you're an amazing leader, and I honor you and respect you in every way, shape, or form. And right now, I'm coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, USA, simply to let you know, the world may have changed. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We all know we're living in uncertain days. We all know that nobody seems to know exactly what is going on. You can watch any channel on the, on the news all day long. You can go on social media and all the feeds that are available over there. And it seems like Everyone is trying to speak with, listen to me now, with an uncertain, certain voice. With an uncertain, certain voice. Because in the days we are living in, doesn't matter how certain you sound or how certain you come across, somebody else is going to rebut. Somebody else has some different data. Somebody else has different information. Somebody else is going to quote somebody else. So we're living in uncertain times. So people are declaring certainty in in an atmosphere, in an environment, in an ecosystem of uncertainty. So what do we declare right now that we know? As we all know, when Jesus was on this planet, the Gospels record many of his declarations. I'm the bread of life. I'm the truth. I am the way. No man comes to the Father except by me. He, he, had, he had proclamations and declarations about himself. I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Declarations. Many declarations that Jesus had. But in the times that we are living in, in these uncertain times that we are living in, Jesus made another declaration. Another declaration that really embodies what we need to know for ourselves in our lives. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus having conversation and he declares this in verse 18. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, I'm reading out the NIV version. And I tell you that you are Peter. Here's the declaration. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
The King James Version says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's a great declaration. That's a declaration that we can all declare with total certitude. But the story before the declaration, the setup before the declaration, the context of the text is inviting us to take a closer look as to what made Jesus declare this. What was it that led to his declaration? On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, shall not overcome it. Well, the the text informs us that one day Jesus, out of curiosity, says to his disciples, What are others saying about me? What is being written about me in the Jerusalem times? What is being said about me on the evening news? What do other people say about me? What's on social media? What's Instagram? What's Twitter? What's Facebook? What's WhatsApp? And everything else saying about about me. What do people say about me? Well, that was not a difficult question. And the disciples start stepping up and they say, some say that you are John the Baptist. Okay. Some say you are Elijah. All right. Some say you're Jeremiah. Okay. Some say you're one of the prophets that has resurrected and come again. That all sounds great. I can see Jesus talking to all of them. Say, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then Jesus does something that he does in all of our lives. He moves us from the generality to a focused laser beam question. And he looks at his disciples and he pivots from what do they say about me to what do you say about me? Wow, that was a totally different question. Because see, it is easy to say, well, so-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says that and they believe this and they say that. But then the question is, all that is great and wonderful, but what do you say? What do you believe? What do you hold on to? What is your certainty? What are you building your foundation on? Who do you say that I am? All of a sudden there's a hush. Because see it was easy to regurgitate, repeat, echo what somebody else is saying. But now it becomes personal. Who do you say that I am? Oh, you can see a little shuffling of the feet, a little looking at each other, the disciples, wondering, what is it that I really believe? And then our friend, my favorite disciple, Peter steps up. Now, you you know how I picture Peter? I picture Peter as being abrasive, as having no filter, as having no boundaries, Uh, Like open mouth, insert foot. Uh, Speak before you think. You can always think later. (laughs) And I can see Peter walking up to Jesus. Almost face to face. No mask on. (laughs) Almost face to face. Looks at Jesus and says to him, You are the Christ. Face to face. The son of the living God. Mm. I can see Jesus. A smile breaking out on his face. He looks at the other disciples. Then he looks back at Peter. Pokes a finger right at Peter and says, You are Peter. That's a declaration. Everybody knew he was Peter. 
You are Peter. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not overcome it, shall not prevail against it. Right now, I want to just break down that declaration. Because see, the context of the declaration, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it, will not prevail against it. That declaration came not in the context of what everybody else was saying. It came in the context of what you are saying. My question for you today is, in these uncertain times, what are you saying about your Jesus? What are you saying about your Christ? What are you saying about your Messiah? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? So as I look at this declaration, I see four things I want to point out to you. Four things. And just to make it easier for you, Velcro, make it sticky for you, I'm going to call those four points by four alphabets. G-R-O-W, grow. G-R-O-W, grow. So Jesus says, the first thing, I will build my church. I will build, I will build. That means he is building. That's a verb. When he says, I will build, that's a verb. You remember in grammar school, they taught us nouns, pronouns, verbs. Verb is a doing word. So the word here, I will build, is I am building. He is growing. The first G stands for he is growing his church. It is not a, it's not a done deal. He is still in the process of building. Now, from the, there was a big transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was about places. Uh, there was the tabernacle of Moses. And then there was the temple of Solomon. And then there was the temple of Zerubbabel. And you remember the dimensions kept increasing in each one of them. All the same, the presence of God indwelt places. In the Old Testament, if you had needed an encounter with God, you went to the temple, you went to the synagogue. The Psalms of Ascension, the 15 Psalms known as the Psalms of Ascension, they are songs that they, 15 songs that they sang on each step going up to the temple. So we know that people engaged with the divinity and the humanity because of places, they went to places. But then on the cross, when Jesus says it is finished and the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, it was no longer about places, now he indwelt people. And it, the church transition, the presence of God transitioned from places to people. He indwells his people. The Holy Spirit indwells us and resides in our life. He said, you are the temple. So we become the embodiment of that because we are a growing church. And remember, Jesus made that statement to Peter. Oh, many years later, Peter is reflecting. Peter is reflecting on what Jesus said to him. And in 1 Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 2, 1 Peter, chapter 2, Peter is writing and he says this in verse 5, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you also, like living stones, living stones, 
are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me read that for you again, the first part especially. Peter, remember, he's standing right there. Jesus says to him, Thou art Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Peter is reflecting on that many years later and in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So, he's building his church. The church is growing because he continues to build it. The walls keep going higher. The rooms keep getting larger. And guess who is building with? The bricks that he's using. The blocks that he's using. The material that he's using are living stones. And Peter tells us who those living stones are. It's you and me. So Jesus is building, growing his church with living stones you and me. I have a question for you. If every stone looked like you, if every stone behaved like you, if every stone had the same attitudes you have, if every stone was as generous as you are, if every stone was as committed as you are, if every stone was as engaged as you are, if every stone was welcoming like you are, if every stone was inviting people to Christ like you do, if every stone was going out in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing to a dark and dismal world, if every stone was just like you, what would that house look like? Would it be beautiful? Would it be gorgeous? Would it be fabulous? Or would there be nicks and dents and chinks and blemishes and uneven spaces and gaps between living stones. If everybody in your church looked like you, behaved like you, acted like you, spoke like you, volunteered like you, engaged like you, gave like you, what would that church look like? Question number one. We're living stones. What does the church look like? So Jesus' declaration that I'm breaking down into four parts. The first one is, is growing. He says, I am building. I will build. It's a growing church. Let me say something to you about right now, the difficult days that we're living in. I get to speak to leaders all over the world. In UK, South Africa, Nigeria, Brazil, New Zealand, Australia, India, Singapore, Philippines, I get to talk to a lot of leaders on a regular basis and I can assure you that the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. It is growing. It is succeeding. It is making a difference in our world. The church is growing in our times. The second thing is G-R-O-Y. He said, number two, I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my church. That means the R stands for responsible. Who is responsible for it? He is responsible for it. See, if it was my church, it was your church, 
if it was our church, if it was our movement's church, then we would be worried. Then we'd wonder where are people going to come from? Where is money going to come from? How are we going to overcome all of this? But the good news is, the declaration of Jesus is, I will build my church. He wants to know, I got this. He wants to know, I am in control. He wants you to know that all things are well in the kingdom of God. He wants you to know that the throne is still occupied. The king of kings is still on his throne. He wants you to know all is well. He wants you to know that he says, it's my responsibility. You do your part, I will do my part. He says to us, you do the natural, I will do the supernatural. You do the possible, I will do the impossible. You do what you can do and I will do what you cannot do. Isn't that wonderful to know that we don't have to make things happen, that God is in charge. He said, I will build my church. The responsibility of the church is on him. So we don't have to be frazzled. We don't have to be fried. We don't have to be saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? We, who's going to come and how are we going to provide? And what about the money? And what about this program? That is not ours. It is all his. It is his church. So number one, it's a growing church. G. R stands for he assumes total responsibility. The next uh, declaration is, and the gates of hell. The gates of hell, that stands for opposition or opposing forces. O stands for opposition. G stands for growing. R stands for responsible. O stands for opposition. Even in this declaration, Jesus looked at Peter and looked at the disciples through his peripheral vision and said, and there will be gates of hell. Hmm. Gates of hell. Doesn't it look like the gates of hell have opened up in every way on our planet from physical to financial to emotional to relational to educational and seems to be division on every hand. Hard to find five people who agree on anything. And it is in the midst of that, he says to us, there will be opposition. Can I tell you something? The church has always had opposition. But the church has always grown in the middle of the opposition. All the way from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, where it was opposition, persecution, gates of hell being opened up. It was in that context that the gospel went to all the corners of this world. If you're feeling that the forces of hell are opposing you, Jesus warned you about that in his declaration. As positive as that declaration is, it is also a realistic, realistic worldview that we are living not in the times of peace and harmony, but we're living in times where the gates of hell have been opened up against us. But then he goes on to number four. And he makes a declaration that all of us need to hear right now. He says, and the gates of hell shall not overcome it, shall not prevail against it. And the fourth alphabet is winning. Growing, number one. Responsible, number two. Opposing, number three. And winning, number four. The church is victorious. The church is triumphant. 
The church is not curling up and dying. In fact, I am convinced that the hope of the world is not found in a government of officials, is not found in politicians, is not found in social programs. Although the wonderful, they have their spaces and their lanes to drive in, they all have their spaces. But I'm here to tell you that the hope of the world is found in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. And that is why he said, Come unto me all who are weary. Aren't we weary? And heavy laden. He says a harder burden. Come unto me. Come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Rest. But all happens. Grow happens. Growing. Responsible. Opposing. Winning. It all happens around one question. Who do you say that I am? Many years ago, Dr. S.M. Lockridge shared with us in That's My King. And he asked this question, who is Jesus? I want to read that for you. Who is Jesus? He says to us, no means of measure can define his limitless love. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He forgives and he forgets. He creates and he cleanses. He restores and he rebuilds. He heals and he helps. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries. He lifts and he loves. He's the God of the second chance, the fat chance, the slim chance. And when there is no chance, who is Jesus? He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of joy. He's the foundation of faith. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway to righteousness. He's the gateway to glory. He's the highway to happiness. Who is this Jesus? He saves the hopeless. He shields the helpless. He sustains the homeless. He gives purpose to the aimless. He gives reason to our meaninglessness. He gives fulfillment to our emptiness. Who is this Jesus? He guards the young. He finds the lost. He guides the faithful. He rights the wrong. He avenges the abused. He defends the weak. He comforts the oppressed. He welcomes the prodigal. He heals the sick. He cleanses the dirty. He beautifies the meek. He restores the failure. He mends the broken. He blesses the poor. He fills the empty. He clothes the naked. He satisfies the hungry. He elevates the humble. He forgives the sinner. And he raises the dead. So who is this Jesus? His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. He is indestructible. He is indescribable. He is incomprehensible. He is inescapable. He is invincible. He is irresistible. He is irrefutable. Who is Jesus? He is a lion. He is a lamb. He is a God. He is man. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of ages. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of glory. He is still my king. He is still my Lord. Who is this Jesus? 
He's enduringly strong. He's en- entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally gracious. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of the globe. He is God's son and he's the sinner's savior. Who is the Jesus? He's a captive's ransom. He's the breath of life. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's undisputed. He is undefiled. He is unsurpassed. And he is unshakable. He's the lofty idea of philosophy. He's the highest personality of psychology. He's the supreme subject of literature. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the cornerstone, the capstone, and the stumbling stone of all religion. He's the miracle of all ages. So who is this Jesus? Can I tell you who is this Jesus? He is my savior. He is my healer. He's my redeemer. He's my forgiver. He is my director. He's my protector. He is my guide. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my king now and the coming king as well. Somebody in here needs to know something about Jesus. Everything in your world is turning on one question. And the question is, who is this Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? If you cannot call him your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to do that, do that today. If you are uncertain in your life, today is when you can get the only certainty available to us and that is Jesus Christ. If today is a day of doubt and confusion for you, you can get the stability of the rock himself into your life. Most of all, you've got to know Jesus loves you, cares for you, and is asking you a simple question. Who do you say that I am? Let me pray with you. 